0: Awesome, well here we are at the start of a brand new year and every year is a gift from God and I hope you thank God for this new year, I certainly did and it um, seems to be a popular practice in churches to, to share a vision for the year at the beginning of a year. However, we don't do that here and uh, we've got two reasons for that. And number one is that Jesus has already given his church a vision. And that is to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them everything that he's commanded us to do. And if I'm honest with you, I can't improve upon that vision, and I don't want to even try. And, but having said that, um, it's been really wonderful over the last uh, couple of months. We've seen a number of people saved. We've seen people healed. We've seen people baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. We've seen people set free from uh, demons even. And it's really been amazing. So these things that, that Jesus has left us, this task that he's left us to do, we are walking it out. We're fulfilling it. Uh, it might be small days now, but we're just walking in faithfulness and trusting that God's going to use us more and more into the future. So that's the first reason. The second reason is that God's seasons are very rarely one year in length. Amen? Amen. Sometimes a season could be a week. Sometimes a season could be a month. Sometimes a season could be 40 years. (laughs) So for me to stand up here at the beginning of each year saying this is the vision for this year is me assuming that our seasons are one year in length. And I can't find that in the Bible. So I've tried it in the past. And I found that God won't fit into my box that I make for him. And so I've given up on that and thought, well, Jesus has given us a vision and it's good enough. And uh, so the vision of this church remains the same as it has for the last couple of years. And that is to know Jesus and to make him known. Very simple. We're to know Jesus first, more and more grow in our relationship with God. And out of that place of knowing God, we make him known to people who don't know him. So that's all it is. Evangelism is essentially introducing someone to a person we know personally. That's what evangelism is. It's not trying to convince people of a set of doctrines. It's saying, I know Jesus. You can know him too. Let me introduce you to the person that I know. Call me a madman, call me a liar, or I'm telling the truth. Those are your three options. And uh, that's, that's evangelism, 101. And essentially our vision is a combination of the great commandment and the great commission. So Matthew 22 and verse 37 to 39, Jesus said, this is the great commandment. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then the Great Commission, I've already covered that, is to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. So it's knowing Jesus, loving God first, and then making him known to everyone else. And I certainly can't improve upon that. I can come here and say we're going to have a focus on evangelism this year or we're going to have a focus on pressing in on the lord but essentially everything we do should fit into those two things amen so i'm not even going to try and give vision because we've already got it so what am i going to preach on today good question <laughs> john 3:16 i thought i'd forgotten my notes and i said i'm going to just how long can i read john 3:16 for and I'm going to speak on impacting our city with love. Impacting our city with love. I want to show you this morning that uh, there's a very simple way that we can confront the whole of Melbourne with the reality of Jesus. I believe it's something that's achievable for us because Jesus never asks us to do something that we can't do. So if you read something in the Bible, you think, I could never do that. Well, Jesus would never ask you to do something that weren't possible for you to do. Uh, it's within our grasp. It's not wishful thinking. We don't need a big event. We don't need the internet. We don't need to fly in guest speakers. We don't even need money. I'm not saying everyone will get saved, but I am saying every single person will be confronted With the truth about Jesus. If we do this one thing. It's found in John. Chapter 13 and verse 34. John 13. And verse 34. Jesus is speaking. And he says. So now. Now. I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. In other versions, many other Bible versions, it says, The world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The world will know, not they might know, the whole world. So it's not only possible for Melbourne to know, but it's possible for the whole world to know that we are the disciples of Jesus if we love one another. See, I really believe that this scripture is saying, if we personalize it, this church, New Generation City Church, can live in a way that we can confront the whole of Melbourne with the truth about Jesus. If we love one another, the whole of Melbourne will go, those guys are disciples of Jesus. And I'm talking about the people sitting in this room. Not, not some theory. I'm talking about the guys next to you. If you love them, you'll confront the whole world with this truth. It'll be a sign Not only to Tarnit, not only to Wyndham, not only to Melbourne, but the whole world. It'll be such a sign to them. These people are true disciples of Jesus. When this kind of love is demonstrated in the church, the world will take notice. How How would it be to preach the gospel off of a platform like that? There you are wanting to share the gospel and... The person you're sharing it with says, I know that you're a true disciple of Jesus. You don't need to prove that to me. You don't need to prove doctrinally who Jesus is, but I can see, I've seen it. I've seen the love of Jesus in you, and I've never seen it anywhere else in my my life. Imagine sharing the gospel when people think like that. Now, the word love has a wide range of meanings today. I can say I love my wife, I love my children, but I can also say I love chocolate. It's not the same, is it? Very different. And I don't think scripture is referring to the I love chocolate kind of love. (laughs) The I love chocolate kind of love is not going to change the world, is it? It's talking about (laughs) it will change people, but it won't change them in the way that... uh, we are wanting. Amen. Now this is talking about a love that lays down its life for someone else. That's the kind of love that's going to change the world. Jesus said, just as I have loved you. So I've, Jesus has loved us in a certain way. If we love each other in that same way, laying down our lives for one another, that's the, that's the kind of love that will make the world sit up and pay attention. There's a passage in Scripture that mentions the word love 27 times in 15 verses. You know, at school sometimes they say, use this word in a sentence. Imagine being told, use this word 27 times in 15 verses. It's almost impossible. It's found in 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to go through this passage, 1 John and chapter 4. 1 John's right at the end of your Bible. After Hebrews, James 1 and 2 Peter, you get 1, 2 and 3 John. 1 John in chapter 4 from verse 7. The Apostle John is writing and he says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. And anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So in those two verses, we see that this kind of love is found only in people who know God. It's possible for people who don't know God to love. But this kind of love, the, the Bible says... Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Anyone who doesn't show this kind of love doesn't know God. So where you see a demonstration of this kind of love, you can be sure that person is born again. Where you don't see a demonstration of this kind of love, even if someone says, I'm born again, you have to put a question mark over it and say, well, we don't know. But if they demonstrate this kind of love, you know. It doesn't matter what they say about whether they believe God or not. It's this demonstration of this kind of love that is the proof of someone who's truly born again. Because it says, anyone who does not love does not know God. See, that's what I love about the Bible. It's so simple, it's not ambiguous, it's just the plain truth in your face. Left and right, no offense. You either are this or you're that. Verse 9 and 10. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. See, Jesus came to show us what this kind of love looks like. And I believe that the world had never, ever seen this type of love demonstrated, ever. When Jesus came and he laid down his life as an innocent person because of love for us, prepared to take on our sin, prepared to take on everything wrong that we've done. It was such a demonstration of this type of love, first time it's ever happened in all of humanity. And this is the thing. Where people see that same love demonstrated today, it's attractive. It draws people to that, to that person because the world doesn't see this kind of love. The world sees a love that's self-seeking. It's all about self. And the Bible says, this is real love. It's real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. So this is, real love is not we love God. I love God. I love chocolate. I love cars. I love sports. That's not real love. Real love is God sent his son, his only son, as a sacrifice for you and I. It's sacrificial love. It's a love that's not about self. It's about someone else. It's when, it's when I love someone so much, I lay my life down for them, for their benefit. Not, oh, it doesn't suit me. I haven't got time. I'm doing something else. It's, okay, I'll put that to the side, and I'm going to show you love. When the world sees that kind of love amongst us, it's a sign we are the true disciples of Jesus. <laughs> but at the, when you look around the world, I don't know, if you had to ask people, what, what is the one word that defines the church around the world? I don't know whether they'd say love. I don't know. And I think that's why we have such a hard time trying to, trying to argue doctrine, trying to prove Jesus is the Messiah, that he is God. Because there's a lack of love in the church. But when there is a restoration of this truth, there won't be a need to prove. Because that platform will already be laid. And then it's come and meet the God that showed me love. Come and meet the God who can show you that same love. This is real love. God sacrificing his son for us type of love. Verse 11. Dear friends. Let's continue. Since God has loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Since God has loved us, we surely ought to love one another. If we've received this kind of love, give it. And, and notice, the only way that we can love this way is by first receiving it from God. There's no other place to get this type of love. We have to go to God receive it from him, and then we can give. We can't give what we haven't received because this type of love is not built into us innately. It can only be received from God and then given. And, and you cannot receive it from any other person other than God. You can't receive this kind of love from your husband or your wife or your friend or the person sitting next to you, you can only receive it from God. You can see a demonstration of it from the person next to you, but you can't receive it from them because they're not the source of this type of love. Only God is. And so it means there's a necessity for us to be in real relationship with God. Otherwise, we'll never get this kind of love. And that's why the world doesn't have it. See, if we listen to this message and we walk away saying, well, I need to love people more, we're going to (laughs) fail. Because the love doesn't come from us. If we listen to this message and say, I need God, I need love from you, that's where we can get it from. We can't go away from here thinking, I need to do better. I need to pick myself up. Because it's not in you. (laughs) Yeah. We only get it from God. Amen. Good God. <laughs> and that's why the scripture says, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Surely, we should be a community that puts each other's needs before our own. That's what the scripture is saying. Surely, we should stand out from the world. Because we are the people who can receive this kind of love. The world can't because they don't know God. They can't receive it from God. So they're operating in a love that is about themselves. It's about what, what can I get out of this? I love. One time we went uh, on, a, on a trip into the middle of Africa and there were some young guys begging on the side of the road and one of them came up to me and said, I love you, give me money. It's like... <laughs> That was his strategy of, of how to get something from me. You know? And often that's how people operate. What can I get out of this thing? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, and 1 to 5, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5, paints a picture of what's going on in the world. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Uh, That word can be translated as fierce, fierce times in the last days. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends and be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. See, people without a genuine relationship with Jesus cannot receive this love. So we don't look upon them and judge them and say, well, look at me and look how I love people and look at you. Look, how you are struggling? Because they can't receive that love. And so what do we do? We pray for them. We reach out to them and say, meet the person that can make the difference in your life. Meet the God who loved me. That's why I'm loving you. That's why I'm demonstrating this love. Because I've received it from someone else. It's not from me. I'm not the one you should be praising. I'm not the one to receive the glory. God gets all the glory. He saved me and he's poured out the sacrificial love into my life. And that's how, how come I can love like this. So we pray for the world. We pray that they might meet Jesus. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 12. 1 John chapter 4. It says, no one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and have put and we' put our trust in his love that 's the interesting thing; we know how much God loves us when you are born again, you can know. This is how much God loves you. You know, before I became a Christian, I, I kind of had this idea. I hoped that God loved me. But now I know. Yeah. I know Amen. how much God loves me. So true. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. Mm-hmm. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. And I want to show you that love is the perfect way to live. I'm reading a lot of scripture here, but I just thought I'd rather read the word of God than read one scripture and you hear me speaking for half an hour. It's the word of God that has power to change our lives, not my opinions. (laughs) James chapter 2, we're going to have a look at two scriptures from the book of James. James chapter 2 and verse 8. We're looking at love being the perfect way to live. James says, yes, indeed. It is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. Singular law. The royal law is to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, And then back one chapter, James chapter 1 and verse 25. James 1 verse 25. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, also singular, into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So we have the royal law and the perfect law, both a single law, not multiple laws, not the royal laws, or the perfect laws, one law, singular. Something that is perfect can never change because as soon as something is perfect, as soon as you change it, it becomes imperfect. So you might build a perfect house, but as soon as you make one adjustment to it, it now becomes imperfect. Amen? That's just logic. And I believe that this perfect law is the law of love. It's the command from Jesus, the new command. And in fact, it's an old command, but he's just given us one. Love God and love one another. Jesus taught that love is actually the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. Did you know that? When you show love to God... And you love another person, you won't break any of the law. Not one. You won't murder. You won't steal. You won't rob from someone if you love them. You can't murder someone you love. (laughs) You can't rob from someone you say you love. And then say, sorry, I robbed from you. And we see this in, in Matthew chapter 22. And verse 35 to 40. Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verse 35 to 40. The little heading at the beginning of this section is the most important commandment. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him, that's Jesus with this question. So somebody who was an expert in the law tried to trap Jesus with this question. And he says, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law, verse 40, and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, in many other versions, it says something along the lines of all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So imagine I've got a coat on and I want to hang my coat on a hook. I take my coat off. I hang it on the hook. The hook has to be there before I can hang anything. Amen? I can't hang my coat on a hook that isn't there. So these commandments had to have been there for the, the law and the prophets to hang on. Amen? Which is the entire Old Testament. So this law of love, loving God and loving people is what the whole Old Testament hangs on. And if we live in love, we fulfill all of it. We're not going to do our neighbor in. We're not going to cheat them out of money. We're not going to steal their wife or, I don't know, whatever whatever the law you can think of. We're not going to do that if we love. If we love God, we're not going to have any other gods beside him. And it's interesting that the scripture, the, the very first commandment is you shall not have any other gods beside beside me, not instead of me, it's next to me. So it's saying, I worship God, but I've got this little guy as well that I also worship. And I've got another one, and another one, and another one. God says there can be no one else on the mantelpiece. (laughs) It's only him, nothing else. Not even the tiniest little figurine of a God. (laughs) It's no one beside God. He wants exclusivity in our life. And if we love God, we won't. (laughs) We won't even dabble in things. We won't go near the occult or anything that upsets God. You know, sometimes I'll... I'll be uh, watching a movie or something like that, and something happens in that movie that grieves me in my spirit, and I turn it off. Why? Is that legalism? Or you shouldn't do that. No, it's love. I love God, and I don't want to hurt Him. You don't want to hurt people you love. So if if I'm doing anything in my life where I think this might upset God, I'm not going to do it. And that's not legalism. It's love. It's living in love. And when we live in love, we fulfill the entire law and all the prophets. All of the Old Testament is fulfilled when we live in the perfect way of love. Amen. That's why it's perfect. Yeah. And it's also the perfect law of free that brings us freedom. Because no one can stop us loving. If you Just think about it. If I've, if I've decided to love Joe... Nothing he does can stop me from showing him love. Nothing. People can stop me doing a lot of things, but no one can stop us loving. Even Jesus, he's the perfect example. No, no one, nothing that they could do to Jesus could stop him loving us, showing love to us. And the Bible even says that. Neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor whatever nor whatever whatever will separate us from the love of God. Nothing can stop you loving. People can stop you doing anything else, but it's the perfect law of freedom. The people that live in love are the only true people on this planet because they they're living a life that no one can stop them. Even if they Even if they put us in prison, doesn't matter. They can't stop us loving. They can lop our heads off. Doesn't matter. They cannot stop us loving (laughs) while we're alive. (laughs) Maybe I should add that in. (laughs) But you can live your life in love and be free with no limits and love one another. I won't speak badly about another church. I'll never speak badly about New Gen, ever. Because God loves the church. If I speak badly about someone God loves, I'm upsetting him. It's not a law. It's not, oh, you shouldn't do that. That's legalism. No, it's love. And love is something that I've chosen to do. Love is a choice. It's not an emotion. If it were an emotion, it couldn't be a command. This is not an option. This is not a suggestion. It's a command, a new command. I give to you, love one another. And so if it's a command, if I don't, what am I being? Disobedient. Amen. (laughs) And so if it's all about emotion, God could never command it. Well, I don't get on with those people. They're not like me. They're different. They don't share their, they don't support the same footy team as I do. How can I love them? How can I love, I'll get into trouble if I say, I won't say it, Lynette. I won't say it, Lynette. Okay, you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> but, If it it were all about emotions, God could never command us to do it. But it's it's a decision we make. I will love the Lord with all my heart. It's a decision I make. It's not I wake up in the morning and I feel like loving God. It's something I've chosen to do no matter what I feel like. And Jesus is saying, make that decision here with the people that are sitting around us. Will you choose to love them? Will you choose to lay down your life for them? If you do that, it will be a sign to the entire world that you are the true disciples of Jesus, that Jesus is actually a reality because the world doesn't see this love anywhere. But when it sees a church laying down their lives for one another, inconveniencing themselves for the person next to them, the world's going to go, wow, what is this? We've never seen this. We don't see this in the workplace where people are trying to climb the corporate ladder, step over everyone else to get to the top, to earn more money. We fleece this person. We put our profits up in, in uh, holiday time because we can make more money. Let alone some people are struggling and can't afford things. It's all greed. It's all love of self, love of money, love of pleasure. That's all they know. But when they see whoa. People loving one another. People laying down their lives for one another. People who should not have anything in common are loving each other. The world will go, wow. It'll be such a blinding sign to them. And we'll be able to preach the gospel off of the back of that and say, meet the God that changed my life. That's love. Amen. Good stuff, brother. <laughs> a true Christian loves God and loves the church. No one in my opinion, no one can say I'm a true believer. I love Jesus, but I don't I've got a problem with the church. That person in my opinion is not a true believer. Cannot be. Because God loves the church. Yes, we're not perfect. My kids aren't perfect. Sometimes I do things that upset them, but I still love them all the time. <laughs> Amen. (laughs) It's true. We've all been there. We've all done things that have upset our parents, and they still love us. That's love. That's the love God wants in the church. And so we might go, well, I disagree with what that church is doing, but I love them because God loves them. (laughs) And I've made a decision to love, not an emotional response. A decision of my will. I will love God and I will love one another. My fellow believers, I will love them. Before I love the world. Because I can't say, well, here are my children. But I'll sh- I'm going to show everyone else's child love first. And then I'll show my children love. We can't do that. We've got to love the church first. And then let it overflow into the world. But a lot of people are so busy showing love to the world and hatred to the church, they're not being a witness. It's when the church love each other, it'll be a sign. Not when the church love the world. That's not the sign. It's when you and I, the people sitting behind you, the people sitting in the row in front of you, when you lay your life down for them, look around. Look at the person in front of you. When you lay your life down for that person, who you maybe don't even know their name, it'll be a sign to the whole of the world. You are a true disciple of Jesus. That's living in love. Good stuff, bro. Very good, man. It's the perfect law, because no one can stop us. <clears throat> and it's a decision of our will. It's not a suggestion. It's not an option. Let's carry on in 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. Verse 17. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence. Because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love is no fear because perfect love expels all fear. We, if we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. If anyone here is afraid of death, you need the perfect love of God in your life. Because perfect love expels that fear. If you worried today, if you were to drop dead today and you worried... You need this love. And it can only come through relationship with God. Where am I? Verse 18. If we're afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. If we love each other, sorry, we love each other because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer... That person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see. How can we love God who we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. It's a command. It's not an option. It's something that we can make a decision of our will to say, okay, you've said If I love you, Lord, I must love my fellow believer. And so I'd like us just to take a moment today, just to think about how much do I love God and how much do I love the people around me? Am I showing love to my fellow believers? Am I willing to lay down my life for the people in this room? Because that's the love. It's not just a feeling. It's Jesus came and laid his life down. That's the love. It's laying down our lives. It's it's being willing to be inconvenienced. It's being willing to give generously of what you have, even though you may not eat, so that your fellow believer can eat. Because that's love. You go without, so someone can have. That's love. Are you prepared to inconvenience yourself to show people love? Do you cry with those who are suffering? Do you rejoice with those who are doing well? Or do you say, why didn't that happen to me? Oh, so-and-so, they got a promotion, but wow, I wish I had the promotion. That's not love. Love is rejoicing when someone else succeeds. Because you care more for them than you do about your own life. I'm not saying this to condemn anyone in this room. And I'm certainly not saying we need to improve. I'm not saying that. Or we need to do better. Because this kind of love only comes from intimacy with God. We can't decide I'm going to love people around me more. You can't decide that. All you can do is come to God, respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life, saying, Lord, you are convicting me because I'm disobeying this command, but I can't do this. I need your help. I need your love in my life. And so I'm coming before you in humility. I'm repenting for disobeying. And I'm saying, Lord, come and fill me. Come and fill me with this love so that I can love people as you have loved me. That's the only thing we can do. And say, I want to see people through your eyes. I want to see people, the people around me as God sees them. Paid the same price for every single one of us in this room. He didn't shed five drops of blood for one person and two for another and one for another. It's the same blood. The same price was paid for every single person in this room. No one is more important than the rest. And then as we go from here, be led by the Holy Spirit. So there's no good God doing a work in your life now, and then you leave here saying, okay, I've got to keep this going now. I've got to keep the momentum going. I've got to keep loving. No, that's legalism. That's trying to follow the rules. We are as believers we're to be led by the Spirit. And so it's as this as you get an opportunity to love someone and the Holy Spirit says, Love that person, you respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing, and you're led by Him to love. And as you yield more and more to Him leading you in that way, God's love will be perfected in your life. Because He works in His character gives us opportunity so we can work it out and when that happens we're changed it's not just about God pouring 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 Sunday after Sunday revival meeting after revival meeting I'm getting so full of God I don't know what to do you've got to work it out otherwise you just end up being bloated (laughs) but it's only as God fills us and we respond and work it out that we're changed But we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Can you imagine what this church would look like if we truly loved one another? If we really laid down our lives for the people next to you, in front of you, behind you? What would it look like? With a godly, pure, sacrificial, covenantal love. The same love. God has demonstrated through Jesus. If we do that, our city will be confronted with a sign so bright they won't be able to ignore it. They'll go, these guys are true followers of Jesus. Has to be. Never seen this in our life. There's no way to explain what's going on here other than that guy that 2,000 years ago laid down his life as an innocent person We see that same love demonstrated here. That's what will happen. Let's stand. By this, the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another.